folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes. And we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the, uh, well, Merry Christmas, everybody who likes the Vikings and follows them post game podcast Vikings give up six touchdowns to one person, which has not happened in the National Football League since 1965 RIP Gale Sayers, and they give up 52 points. And uh, Thomas Morstead, the punter of the New Orleans Saints, he was seen uh, drinking hot cocoa and watching a Christmas story on the sideline during this one as Drew Brees, Elvin Kamara, and company cruised up and down the field like uh, they were just um, riding a horse-drawn carriage on a beautiful, snowy Christmas evening. Um, that's what it looked like for the offense. It was that easy. How do you throw two interceptions and still score 52 points? It can happen only against the Minnesota Vikings who have given up now 50 points in this game for the first time since 1963 uh, or no, since 1984, but the most points since 1963 and so on and so forth. And the incredible, ridiculous, preposterous numbers of what the Vikings defense did today. Um, pile up and oh yeah on offense they're, they're all right <laughs> they did some stuff they looked okay uh you know there was some disappointing drives there were some good drives that happened but 52 points paul hodawanik what is going on buddy oh man i was over at my close family's house all masked up watching this game with many many vikings fans and there was lots of screaming Lots of just like incoherent, I need to get up and go get a cookie. Like just, just no one was happy. Um, I was sitting over there on the couch, just trying to put this into perspective for everyone. And man, 2020 has been a bad year. I think a lot of Vikings fans say, oh, Christmas, this will be a fun, fun day. We get to watch our team play. And boy, it did not turn out like that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this game because there were, just a lot of things that happened that I want to get into with you, but 
but man, it is not a good day to be a Minnesota Vikings fan. Well, here's where I want to start. I want to start by saying this. It was appropriate because the Vikings played this exact football game against Mitch Trubisky and lost against Mike Glennon and nearly lost against Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater and nearly lost. And they played, you know, numerous other games where they were a little better than this, but mostly like this against Tennessee. They got up ahead, you know, two scores in that game and lost against Seattle. They got up a couple scores and lost and uh, the offense always found a way to be good statistically and put up good numbers and yards per play and all those things, but yet disappoint you at the worst times, which was this game. So 52 is going to be the number that everybody focuses on and that we talk about for a long time when it comes to Vikings meltdowns. Hey, remember on Christmas when New Orleans dropped 50 freaking two points on them when they went down to the Superdome? Yes, that will be what we discuss but I think this was a microcosm of what the season has been and then at the end you know they decide to throw a 50-yard pass or whatever like they were clearly running up the score and trying to get Elvin Kamara his sixth touchdown usually that does not happen in the NFL so this game could have been kind of put away earlier by the Saints but they decided to go full like Tech Mobile or Madden on this thing and just run up the score um Maybe, you know, it's a little getting back at them, I guess, for the playoff losses or whatever it might be. Okay, that's fine. So 52 will be the number that sticks in everybody's head. But here's what will stick in mind. Not only, of course, and we'll get into the defensive performance, not only Kamara running and running and running and running over them. If they didn't throw a pass today, they still win by 30 points, I think, or, or whatever. They still score 30 points, the Saints. If they don't throw a single pass today, that's how dominant their offensive line was over the Vikings' defensive line. But... There were multiple opportunities for the Minnesota Vikings to stay in this game and make this one of the most fun and entertaining shootouts of the year. And they didn't do it. And I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is at fault. I'm not saying it's the offensive's fault when you give up 50 plus. Of course, I'm not saying that. But we saw all the same problems that we've seen repeatedly. We have seen, hey, it's second down and one. And I guess like God compels us to run the football because there are no other options on a second down and short from what you can do. Um, second down and longs, there weren't a ton of those today because the Vikings were moving the ball, but it's just always like we have to commit to this same exact thing. We cannot go for it on fourth down and three, even though we know the other team's going to score. I don't care if you pin them at the three or you give it to them at the 45. They're scoring. Hey, did you not see the first couple drives? They will score. It's fourth and three. You have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Irv Smith is great now and Delvin Cook. And you think, nah, three yards? I can't, we just can't do it. I don't know. I don't know how we could come up with three yards to keep our drives going. And at the end of the first half, my gracious, this team has no ability since really Kirk Cousins has been here to complete the end of the first half drive with a score. If you give this team the football with a minute left, 45 seconds left, a timeout or two at the end of the half, they are going to step on their own tails and fall flat on their faces a hundred percent of the time, almost, unless they're playing Matt Patricia's team. That's the only thing. And since then they've had a bunch of opportunities to do this and have come up with nothing. And that has basically been 
Kirk Cousins since he's been here. So yeah, it's the defense. Like, yeah, of course it is. But you had a chance to play a really fun game. There was 2% chance you'd make the playoffs. All anybody ever wanted from this was fun. And you punt on fourth and three, you hand off on second and one, you get sacked on third and four and sacked on third and five, and you screw up an end of the half drive and you took away any chance for it to at least be a really cool shootout. And it just reminded me, and of course it's the team that went to the Super Bowl, but last year, San Francisco and New Orleans played this very game, even as great as San Francisco's defense was, and they won 48 to 46. It was super fun. And um, I think there was an opportunity here for this game to be like that for, Hey, their guy scored a bunch of touchdowns, but so did Justin Jefferson. And he had an amazing game. And instead, you know, they had a good game. It's six catches for 85 yards, 10 targets. Okay. No one goes to jail, but was there opportunities to have a great game? Maybe. So there, there's the rant for you. And we're going to have more rants because they gave up 52 points, but there's where, it, there's where it sets in my mind is why it's so perfect because Anytime the defense has faltered this year, you just lose because you don't play in the most aggressive or the smartest or the most efficient possible way. And then your quarterback and your offensive line combined have a tendency to let you down on key third downs. And that's the 2020 season all wrapped up in a nice little ball for you. Okay. 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 Deep breath ball. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get, let's I, I would, I, I would still argue maybe someone needs to go to jail for Justin Jefferson. Cause yes, you can look at the stat line now, six catches, 85 yards, but several of those came when the game was already pretty much over. He, he really only had like two receptions for like 36 yards for a big chunk of the game. And I get it. Marshawn Lattimore was shadowing him for a while and made a couple good plays on some passes to him, but you still got to try to find him more Adam Thielen ends up getting in the end zone, get some extra yardage towards the end of the game. Again, probably could have targeted him more. Irv Smith did have a nice game. Uh, Maybe he pushes us to not see Kyle Rudolph again. That's for a different podcast, but that happened today. But I'm going to push back slightly just because I don't know if we can lead this first 10 minutes of this podcast and talk about the offensive flaws because, yes, they did take sacks on third downs. Yes, they punted on some fourth downs when they shouldn't have uh but you said it they let up 52 points uh the most yards they've ever given up uh the most six touchdowns to Alvin Kamara probably should have been seven if Sean Payton doesn't have a weird infatuation with Taysom Hill and getting him (laughs) into the end zone inexplicably that one time Kamara could have easily had seven I was slightly pushing for them to try to score in that last like when they kneeled down just to give it to him just to, just so we could make even more history, might as well just top it off with that. But yes, I, I they made mistakes on offense that have been reoccurring. Uh, we've detailed those issues in depth. And I don't know, like, I, I just don't believe we can talk about that fully until we just digest what just happened on defense because it was truly abysmal. There was never a point where you thought they were going to even get a stop The only stops they got were interceptions from weird, like Drew Brees looks like he can't throw a football passes or off the hands of some guy. It was inexplicable. He didn't throw a touchdown, yet they have 52 points, and he did not look good at all. But when you're starting three linebackers other than Kendricks or other than Wilson, I'm sorry, two linebackers that 
really probably shouldn't be out there on an NFL field and some defensive linemen that shouldn't be out on an NFL field. And then you go up against an offensive line, the caliber of the New Orleans Saints. There was no other outcome really than what Alvin Kamara did. He averaged seven yards a carry. Latavius Murray averaged six yards a carry and pretty much had the same yardage as Dalvin Cook. It, it was horrifying. And I saw Courtney Cronin tweet out they had one pressure all game long. And, and it, that just cannot happen. So here's my point. I mean, don't um, misconstrued that I'm blaming the offense for the loss. I mean, the offense put up points. They responded at times. They even took advantage of those interceptions. Uh, my point is that this has been the defense. Like this isn't anything new. Mitch Trubisky scored on almost every drive against you last week. What did you think Drew Brees and Elvin Kamara and maybe the best offensive line in football were going to do? Like you have to play the game as if they're going to score every time against you. And that's just not what they do. And you also can't continue in every key spot that you ever have on third down to get sacked. It just, every week but you know when it happens against the Jaguars you still win in overtime when it happens against Chicago Trubisky throws you an interception and still gives you a chance when it happens against the Saints a team that is just super talented on offense and they're not they don't even have their best player there are I guess maybe second best I don't know what you call Michael Thomas the guy sets the record for catches last year and he still might not be as good as Elvin Kamara but um, they don't even have him and they still put up 52 points and their quarterback is floating balls like you said like a like an air you know hot air balloon just flying in the air and they're still throwing to receivers wide open I mean the guy's throwing the ball 14 miles an hour I mean it looks like a high school football being thrown and yet guys are so wide open that it doesn't even matter if it takes 12 seconds for the ball to arrive 20 yards downfield. I mean, it's really remarkable. So of course, of course, that was a horror show and one of the worst defensive performances that I have ever seen. Uh, the only, there was one that came to mind for me. None since Zimmer has been here, of course. I mean, even opening day against the Packers was nowhere near as bad as this. They got a couple stops in that game. This game was just right from the very beginning. There was a game once that I covered where the Buffalo Bills gave up 300 yards passing and 300 yards rushing. And that was probably just as bad as this, but it's only on that level for any that I've ever covered. And I don't even know if I've watched more than a handful of NFL games ever that have been like this, where it's a guaranteed score every time, but at least they got two picks. So I guess maybe that takes it down a notch from like the worst defensive performance of all time. It's just that it's the same stuff only against someone way better. And you were never a contender and you never should have pretended you were a contender by keeping Riley reef, by keeping Anthony Harris. What was the use of that? You never should have thought you were a contender going into the season. I want to make a key point here. Uh, they trade for Yannick Ngakwe thinking this is the piece we need to contend. Okay. Let's go through who's on this defensive line right now. Afadi Adenabo, day one starter, who they thought was going to be a key piece before trading for Ngakwe. Uh, they had Jaleel Johnson, the guy that they said would be totally fine filling in that spot, and they didn't need to get anybody from free agency. They had Shamar Stefan, who the media was given a, an entire dissertation by Andre Patterson about why we don't know how great Shamar Stefan was. That is a thing that happened in training camp. We got this big, long explanation 
conversation of how we just don't give him enough credit. I uh, guess what? I'm going to keep doing that after today. Thank you. Um, and uh, what do you got? DJ Wanham also starting. Um, Armand Watts in the mix. These are not guys who they had to pick up off of free agency. These are the guys they started the season with. Yes, I know that Daniil Hunter is out. Yes, I know that Michael Pierce was out. Daniel Hunter got hurt on the first day of training camp. Michael Pierce opted out on like the first day you could opt out. There were free agents available if you wanted them to sign rather than trading for Yanni Kangakwe. There were guys who signed cheap deals. Uh, I noticed Logan Ryan, a corner, uh, but they've had plenty of problems there. A corner just signed an extension with the Giants after signing a super cheap deal before the season started. They ignored a lot of those players who were good, not great on the free agent market. And not all of them have worked out around the league. I understand, but because they believed in their own development, not because they, uh, um, you know, I guess not because they didn't think whatever guy couldn't play on the free agent market. I'm sure it was because they believed, Oh, well, this will work. We'll develop them. It'll work. I'll scheme around it. Mike Zimmer said, which is not true, but he said this, I've never had a bad defense before. Well, today he said, this is a bad defense, the worst I've ever had. But it's with, I know the linebackers, I know, but the starting safeties and the starting D-line and two of the starting corners, Cam Dantzler and Jeff Gladney, these are guys who started at the beginning of the season. You are missing two linebackers and two defensive linemen. If you go from missing two defensive linemen and two linebackers, to the worst defense in the league that's giving up 52 freaking points and six touchdowns to one player, then you were never remotely good to begin with. And that I think is the most frustrating thing is you ignored a bunch of very obvious weaknesses and the fact that you were skating on the thinnest of ice. And if you had one injury, two injuries, three injuries, you were going to be playing guys who belong in the XFL for the full season. And that's what you have at defensive tackle at this moment. And hey, look, you ran into a good team finally, and boy, they let you know it. So I think where it all comes together is, look, if you get to one and five and you admit it's a bad year, it's, it's really hard to make up for losing Everson, Griffin, Linval, Joseph, Daniil Hunter injured, Xavier Rhodes, uh, even though he didn't have a good year last year as an NFL player, um, you know, it's tough. And so we're going to trade Anthony Harris. We're going to trade Riley Reef. We're going to trade Kyle Rudolph. We're going to kind of admit what we are and we're going to have a tough season the rest of the way. And maybe we're going to, you know, win four games and draft really high and, you know, start that real rebuild, go all in. If they did that, then this right here would be like, Oh boy, tough season, but what are you going to do? Their draft status. The fact that they didn't do that shows you like, where were you guys? Where did you think you were in compared to where you were in reality? This game, this is where you were in reality. Where did you think you were to keep your starting left tackle who could have been worth something uh, to trade for a draft pick to keep your starting safety who could have been worth something for trading a draft pick. And by the way, Josh Metellus couldn't have been worse than Anthony Harris has been throughout the rest of this season. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what you get um, now when he leaves in free agency or if he leaves in free agency. So I think, All those things kind of come together today with, boy, we said you miscalculated before. The Saints made it uh, obvious how much you miscalculated by. It was not just, oh, this guy's hurt, that guy's hurt, and that's the only reason you give up 52 points. It's because good teams have other guys who can come in and play when people get hurt because it's the NFL and people get hurt. Yeah, and this is why I kind of want to revisit something we 
touched on last week was, is any of this defensive performance Mike Zimmer's fault? And largely we decided, you know, there's, these are bad players. Zimmer is still scheming some stuff up on third downs and okay. Maybe he's just doing an all right job with what he had after this game. And just thinking about that discussion a little more, I want to push back on that a little bit because going through a lot of, I was going through a lot of the things that you just said in your head and he like the tackling was horrendous, even for starters, uh, Smith and Harris were not good. Those are Zimmer's guys. And like people point to, okay, well, they, they lost a lot of guys on injuries. They had Michael Pierce opt out like the injury they've had bad injury luck that that fact is true, but a lot of teams have bad injury injury luck. And the fact that this is what the team looks like at this point, maybe is not an indictment on Zimmer's coaching, but it is an indictment on Zimmer's way of putting together a roster, which I know Spielman has a big hand in that, but this is ultimately Zimmer's roster in a lot of ways. And I think we can point to a lot of people on this team to show this, these are Zimmer's guys, this is Zimmer's roster. So yes, maybe his coaching hasn't been a huge fault, but the guys that he's chosen on this defense, the fact that he thinks that the guys that we draft, we can develop and we can turn into those on the fringe guys. We can just develop a Tom Johnson guy in-house. We don't have to go out and sign a Captain Munderland. We don't have to go sign a Tom Johnson. We trust ourselves to develop those guys internally that hasn't happened none of we haven't really had a success story along the defensive line of you know the starters are out but this guy has been here he has now turned into a piece where okay he's doing his job he's doing good that hasn't happened so they miscalculated on what they thought they could do with the defense I I put that on Zimmer they sign Anthony Barr to a contract extension that's a Zimmer guy they both of them, Zimmer and Spielman, go in on signing Cousins. They know that means stuff from the and other parts of the roster is going to get stripped down. That was Zimmer was obviously on board with that. Cook gets signed to an extension. Like all these things, then take away from your ability to have depth. And then when that depth is tested, I don't think we can then give Zimmer a free pass and say, "Well, he just didn't have the guys to coach." Yes, he he okay, he didn't have the guys to coach, but he is responsible partially at least for not having those guys um like just not having the guys is the way he decided to construct a roster so I wanted to come back to that point because yes maybe his coaching hasn't been his fault his the schematics of what he's tried to do with the players he had might not be bad and maybe he's optimizing the players that he has and that's just how bad some of these guys are but I still think he does deserve blame for this defense at this point because he has been the constructor of this defense, like wholeheartedly. Want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tech Mobile throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code Purple Insider for free shipping. And I think it really shows you that when you put efficiency aside 
for win now and you sign guys to ridiculous contracts, like you mentioned with Anthony Barr, but let, let's not forget Kyle Rudolph in this. You sign Kyle Rudolph to a huge contract extension and then never throw him the football. This has been a pro throw the ball to Kyle podcast here, but if you're not going to, and then all of a sudden Kirk Cousins loves him some Tyler Conklin, the minute that Kyle Rudolph is out, then you don't sign them to a contract extension, but they felt like they were pushed into a corner where, Hey, we got to win. We got to win. We can't give up any of the talent. We've got to sign. Think about this. Anthony Harris, the guy who plays next to, uh, you know, Harrison Smith has always been one of those positions where it's just like, Hey, find an undrafted guy, develop him. If he's smart, if he's hardworking, he'll be able to play next to Harrison Smith because Harrison Smith is a borderline Hall of Fame caliber talent. So great. Uh, and then they decided just now, even after Mike Zimmer said at the combine, they didn't see safety as the highest paid position or, or should be. And then, you know, they franchise tag him and they don't trade him away. Uh, even though they had an opportunity because they said, oh, well, it's, you know, we want a second round pick and you're not giving up enough or whatever. Uh, you know, you look at that, like, well, what's 11, excuse me, what's $11 million for, you know, a nose tackle who can actually do anything. I mean, this is, this is the thing, like you could be in the playoffs and no, you're not going to compete for a Super Bowl, but you could be in the playoffs. You could not embarrass yourself on national television on Christmas. If you sign snacks, Harrison, or, you know, somebody else who's played in the NFL before at the position. Instead, you just like, Oh, we'll just move Shamar Stefan over to starting nose tackle to play 70% of the snaps or something like that's not fair to him. I mean, he's a backup player who plays 25% of the snaps on a good team. That's what he's always been. And then all of a sudden you say, no, it's fine. Jaleel Johnson's not an NFL player. Sorry, just not, not even close. I don't think, I think he's an XFL, whatever the next summer league comes around. That's like his talent caliber. And you said, it's fine. We'll just start him at three technique instead of how you spend your money. And so in a lot of ways, and the Ngakwe trade is just the, I'm sorry, you have to keep coming back to it because they readjusted Riley Reeves contract and move that all around to fit this guy in because he's the final piece when you're so desperate all the time to try and win and you throw efficiency out the window, you end up with a roster that's got a couple of players making all the money and everybody else is guys who uh, just, you know, can't play. And part of it, and you make a great point is at some point, if you believe a little too much in your own BS, I don't know if you ever heard that saying, but like somebody who's believing in their own BS, uh, then you start thinking that if you just draft an athletic tall guy who didn't have a lot of sacks, then he'll just be Daniel Hunter and you'll just develop him and he'll be Daniel Hunter. And that's it. Nope. Uh, DJ Wanham is not Daniel Hunter. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. And the, you know, Oh, we could just draft fourth round, uh, you know, defensive lineman. We'll just develop them. Well, not if they can't play. I mean, it's draft luck. A lot of building of the 2017 season is draft luck. It's Stefan Diggs comes out of nowhere in the fifth round. How are all those other receivers that they've drafted in the fifth, sixth, and seventh? How are they working out? How's KJ Osborne playing? He was inactive today. How's what's Stacy Coley up to and Rodney Adams and all like, oh, we can just, you know, hey, we had Jarius Wright. He was like that cheap third receiver. We'll just like bring in Tajay Sharp. Like, come on. I mean, these these things um worked because sometimes stuff comes together. Sometimes you land on a bunch of draft picks, but then when it doesn't, you have to recognize that it didn't. Anybody who watched training camp could have told you that the three technique position was a major, major issue. 
and uh, they just said, no problem. That's all right. We'll just, we'll work around it. We'll coach around it. Everybody said, Hey, you know, is it going to work out to have a bunch of rookie corners? Is that like a thing that usually works? Oh, we'll just coach them up. You know, we'll just coach them up. Okay. I mean, now look, if you didn't set the bar at being a playoff team, if you didn't make the Ngakwe trade, if you didn't keep all your stars at the trade deadline or your guys who could be traded, fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, today's results, not that big of a deal because it's like, you know who you are. That's where everything gets questioned. Um, and I, you know, I also think too, I mean, it's really hard to question drafting, right? Because drafting is random and it's weird. And like, look, everybody passed on Lamar Jackson, but thought that Josh Rosen would be better. And like, we all get it wrong all the time, but they've gotten it pretty wrong a lot recently. And it's showing up, um, you know, Justin Jefferson is like the shining beacon light of draft success, but you have to, you know, close your eyes and hold your nose. Uh, if you're going to talk about pretty much the last, how many drafts now? So, I mean, this is what happens. This right here is the Cincinnati Bengals under Marvin Lewis. This is what it has become. This is the nightmare scenario. And now here's what we have to talk about, Paul. They kept Marvin Lewis on after they went over that curve and it didn't go too good. They ended up with a couple of seasons of six and 10, seven and nine. And then they eventually moved on when they kind of hit rock bottom in your opinion. And I'll just react to what you think on this. What does this 52 point performance by the defense mean for the head coach? I mean, that was where I was going to go next with you. And the thing I was going to point to is last year that Sunday night game, or I, I forget what night it was, but the, the green Bay Packer game at home, when they just get run out of their own building by the Packers. And there's a segment of the Packers fans that stay and are chanting out like an hour after the game and are welcoming the players back onto us bank stadium. Like it's their own stadium. Um, that's the vibes I was getting from this game. And that was the game that seemed to push the Wilfs to the idea that Zimmer might be gone, that they might want to just elevate Kevin Stefanski and move on. They need a fresh face. And this is another one of those embarrassments. There's no other way to put this game. They let up franchise record after franchise record. Alvin Kamara is trending all over Twitter for winning fantasy football lineups. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. like, like may, maybe Zimmer doesn't deserve to get fired because of this. And that's maybe where I'm going. But when you have one of these types of losses, this is when the owners just decide to do it anyway because they're embarrassed of what they just watched their team do. They they're embarrassed for this is their name behind this. And this is just what happened. They let up 52 points to a quarterback who looked like he struggles to throw the ball at some time at some points. And like a, a defense that was just getting gashed over and over and over again. And the, as you said at the beginning, the coach isn't exactly the friendliest person like this, like, it's not like, oh, but he's such a great guy. Like, we can't let him go. Like, I don't know if that's what the organization is going to say if Zimmer's gone. And so I don't know if he should be fired. Like, it feels a little bit reactionary after this game to bring out the pitchforks and call for his head uh, because we've seen all the good things he can do. But if they decide to move forward with him, we now see a lot of, like, troubling signs. We see all the bad 
in-game decision making that he has continued to do. We we see his maybe we don't we don't know how much influence he has in the offense, but it it seems to be enough to where it's keeping the offense from doing what they need to be doing, at least in certain play calling situations and the way that they want to establish the run. Uh, that seems to be from the Zimmer from Zimmer on down. And the hallmark was even if those things are happening, he's gonna have a defense that keeps you above a certain threshold and that crumbled this year yes he doesn't have the players but the thing the hallmark he was here for was a defense where we're just going to keep you above water even if I have deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball even if I have deficiencies working with my coaches even if I have deficiencies communicating with my players I'm going to have a great defense and we're going to be a good team regardless of those things those things have disappeared now so the thing that Zimmer has been able to like put up as his wall of why he's here is crumbling right now and so I don't know how he I I think he still could be the head coach moving forward but at this point it it doesn't look good after this game because we've talked about you know you just run out of time sometimes and this game didn't exactly strike me as they were loving Zimmer and they were going to push towards the end for him so there are lots of situations where I think that teams overreact a little bit um, I'll give you one. How about, you know, the New York giants who go into a full complete rebuild, tear the whole roster down and they give Pat Shermer like what, two years and then they fire him, And then they go to another guy who's kind of a clown. It's like, is this really the right thing to do here? Uh, Jim Caldwell's firing in Detroit. I kind of understood it uh, the year that they did it. Um, but then they go to another clown and it could be much worse than the guy who's proven and the guy who has shown that he can win. Um, but the thing about this situation with Zimmer is this is a different group. Like this is not the Zimmer team that was built from the dirt up to being a team that goes to the NFC championship and then sets the bar at uh, going to a Super Bowl every year when you go into training camp. Like this is a completely different roster than all of those guys. And you really, the focus of your team now should be not necessarily around defense. It should be around Justin Jefferson, who is I mean, a top five receiver in the NFL in an eye blink. Like he steps onto the field and all of a sudden he's a top five receiver in the NFL. And if you wanted to change your philosophy as an organization because of a single player, it's not a bad idea to do it. It's not a bad idea to have a Randy ratio for Justin Jefferson or a coach that is really focused on being innovative offensively to get as much as you possibly can out of this superstar player, especially while he's on his rookie contract, because the value there, the bang for buck, what you get for having him there is immense. Uh, And then you're going to have to pay him. And of course you should, and he's still going to be worth it. But these next couple of years, I mean, you have been given just a block of gold here and don't wash it away um, by not throwing him the ball enough. Like you said, uh, Still, I didn't feel like there were nearly enough targets for Jefferson, even in a good offensive performance. But sometimes, and this is the reality, like sometimes the other team's going to score every time and you have to be able to be competitive or win these games. Now you expect a couple of stops in those shootouts, but when you have an elite offense, you can win these shootouts or you can be right there. And this game could have been fun. But if you're running on second and one and getting stuffed in the backfield and then not converting on third and four because you're getting sacked, 
well, then you're probably not going to be able to play uh, in these shootouts. And there is maybe a mind of someone in ownership that would say, or in the front office, uh, th that would speak directly to ownership that would say, look, you know, this defense, it's not going to be great next year. There's just no way. Like, I know Michael Pierce, like he, Michael Pierce is good, but come on. Like, you're not going from a team that's allowing 52 points in a game to an elite defense in the snap of a finger. You need seven to 10 players on this defense. If we're considering rotational guys and backups who are good, uh, you need more stars. I mean, they lost a bunch of star players in this last off season. Um, so there's a lot of ways to go and you might look at it and just say, look, I mean, the thanks for what you did before, but what we need you to do in the future, it doesn't look like you're up to. And they could say that now, I don't think it will happen. Uh, week 17 might matter here. If they go to Detroit and they give up 50 points to Detroit and they lose to a team that's already fired their coach that has nothing to play for with a quarterback who's injured, by the way. And if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, then their number one receiver is hurt. If this happens next week, then I think we're really having this conversation of like, is it time? Is it time to just say, hey, man, like you did a lot of great things and I fully believe Mike Zimmer is a great defensive coach but this isn't going to work. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that that conversation happens and today is the button is pushed where we have this conversation again. Uh, the button was turned off after they won the playoff game. And we knew that Zimmer was going to get an extension at like, okay, we're in the kind of hot meter. All right, let's, let's, let's shut it off. Let's turn it back to the blue. But today I didn't even have it there going into today. I just had it as kind of like a simmer, you know, like uh, not even in the orange, but still like in the, in the mild blue, but 52 points embarrassed on national television. I mean, that matters that, that matters to where you're at. And, and by the way, you still had a, a, a tiny chance at the playoffs. You were not eliminated yet. It's not totally insane to have seen this team winning two and seen Arizona losing two. Arizona is a majorly flawed team. So with the result that happened today, you can make all the, Hey, Daniel Hunter's not here. And Hey, you know, this and this and this and this, and I get it. And that's all fair. And it's valid. The saints are a better team than you are right now. It's all, it's all true. It's the explanations, not excuses. Like, yeah, they are explanations, but you got run out of the building. Like you, you just got your tail whipped. You didn't come up short in a 41 to 33 game. That was fun. And you go, well, you know, okay, well, we're not there yet. This was wow. And you have the coach. I don't know who exactly he's throwing under the bus, whether it's players or the front office or whoever, but you have the coach saying this is a bad defense this is the worst I've ever had. I mean, that's, those are the types of things that happen when a coach is now officially on the hot seat. And I think if they do not make a surprising move at the coaching position, that at very least we're going into next year, talking about like this, this team has to be good. They have to be good right away. There is no one in five start that gets survived here is kind of the way that I would look at it. Yeah. And I, if I was a player, I would, I don't know if I would have a problem with Zimmer calling us the worst defense ever. Cause I mean, you just laid an absolute stinker, but I can't imagine it exactly feels great when you're uh, when your head coach comes out and say, this is the worst defense we've ever had. Uh, and just one more thing on the injury luck. I know people point to it. And yes, it has caused a lot of problems on the defense. But by and large, your quarterback has stayed healthy yes. for all games. Your running back has stayed 
pretty much as healthy as you can ask any running back at this point to stay healthy. Your top two receivers have been healthy. Your top tackles on both sides have been healthy. Your center has played in every single game. You have had Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith for every game. So yes, they are missing their superstar defensive end and they're missing their superstar linebacker, but every team has injuries. And so Yes, I, they've been bitten by the injury bug, but it's not like it's decimated their entire roster. It's decimated a few people who have a big influence, but the fact that those people have such an influence that it causes the entire, an entire unit to crumble is, is a bad sign for the people making the decisions about that, about the roster. Well, you make a, a great point with the fact that Kirk Cousins has been good and has, I mean, overall, a good season. I know that there are people who want cousins out no matter what. And look, objectively, if you go through it, you do not usually end up with him being worth the cap space. And I get that, but this season by PFF top 10 quarterback today played fine. Um, you know, if you have that 2017, 2018, 2019 defense, you are right in this game. You might win this game uh, with the performance that Kirk cousins gave. And that's been the case for a lot of games this season where he's played well enough to win. And and it has been like, you know, they run right at Drew Samia on fourth and one. They run right at Dakota Dozier on fourth and one. They, you know, do a lot of these things that we've been talking about, fumble punts and so forth, and miss field goals and all those things. But the fact that you have top 10 quarterback play this year by PFF, by quarterback rating, those things, um, and you still end up in this point is made especially worse when you look at the other teams who are kind of in the same predicament. Let's go through them. Uh, San Francisco's five and nine. Well, their quarterback got hurt. Okay. So Carolina is four and 10. Um, They're completely rebuilding and a terrible roster and their coach is way in over his head. Atlanta is four and 10, not that far away from six and nine and Atlanta fired their coach. Detroit is five and nine. They fired their coach. Philadelphia changed quarterbacks. Uh, New York is terrible and rebuilding and also had their quarterback hurt. Dallas had their quarterback hurt. Washington has had what two different quarterbacks. And one of them is Alex Smith who can't really play anymore. Um, the chargers rebuilding and bad and probably will fire their coach, but are playing a rookie quarterback. Denver's quarterback has melted entirely. Houston fired their coach. They're four and 10 and, uh, new England got washed up. Cam Newton completely redid their roster. And, you know, after Tom Brady, those are the other teams that are in your ballpark that will be drafting right next to you. They have had it in terms of like losing quarterbacks and stuff and, and new England, they had to play like what Jared Stidham in a game or Brian Hoyer or both in a game because of COVID. I mean, these teams have run into a lot worse when you lose Dak Prescott early in the season, or you lose Jimmy Garoppolo the Vikings haven't run into that. They have a megastar running back. They have a megastar wide receiver. They have two tackles that play pretty well. Like this is not a team that is just devoid of talent. They have a pro bowl safety most years. They have another $11 million safety. So you assume that he's going to be important. Um, They got what all pro level play out of Eric Hendricks for a large portion of the season. Eric Wilson has been decent. Like this is not just, Hey man, like everything went wrong for you. I agree. I mean, when you are sitting there at the end of a season and saying that three or four players injuries are what made you a team that is now minus 47 in point differential and just gave up 52 points, like look in the mirror rather than, rather than saying, Oh, that was it. Well, there's, I mean, that, that can't be 
the only thing you look at and say, well, that derailed our whole season, or you were never good in the first place. If you were, like I said earlier, skating on that thin of ice. So, you know, I, 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 and I think that everyone is culpable by the way, like this isn't just, Hey, it's Zimmer's fault. Hey, it's Kirk's fault. Hey, it's Spielman's fault. Hey, it's Kubiak's fault for loving Delvin cook so much that he has to run Delvin cook every play. Um, although I kind of was chuckling a little bit like today, they get down and they immediately throw some passes and get down the field and score a touchdown. Like, boy, if you just told them that they were down when they were leading, they maybe are have a couple more wins this year, but uh, that aside, every, everybody, I mean, the special teams, the kicker misses an extra point today. Come on, Dan Bailey. Like um, it's been, it has been a complete effort and now trying to decide, okay, when you gave away your second round pick for a guy, you don't have anymore. How do you make up for all these issues with talent? How do you find the money when, you know, okay, uh, yeah, just cut Riley Reef, but that's cutting a good left tackle or an NFL quality average, maybe a little above average left tackle. You are, you know, okay, you get rid of Anthony Harris. He's probably replaceable, but what if you sign the wrong guy or something? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's all these things that are going to be left up in the air. And this offseason, I guess the way I look at it is you can stay kind of the course. You can draft a defensive tackle and that might work. Um, but stay in the course. I got to say, Paul, it kind of feels like you're going to end up with a lot of the same things. And then next year will be determined by the same things. It usually is. Uh, will you get, you know, some injuries? Will you get some missed field goals? Will you, get some good calls or bad calls. You know, I thought today they actually had a couple of helps from the referees to stay in the game. And then, you know, in Tampa Bay, they didn't. So those things even out just like missed field goals, even out just like, uh, you know, a lot of times the good luck, bad luck, you know, final drives, they all kind of even out. So are you going to be able to do enough this off season to make this a good team as opposed to a team that clearly, uh, has some gaping holes that has brought everybody down. But if you're looking at it from the perspective that you said, and you say your quarterback is healthy and you've had two receivers who have had amazing seasons and you still are not really even close to the playoffs and have a chance of going six and 10, that's, that is well below where they set the bar at the beginning of the year and well below what you would guess that a team would do when they've had quarterback play like this. So I don't know, man. I, th I think all of a sudden week 17 is interesting. I had no plans to care about week 17. Like I'll watch it. I'll write about it, you know, but now, now I think they got to play. I don't think you could play Sean Mannion and Mike Boone and, and just sort of, Hey, everybody go out there and play a glorified preseason game. I think, I think we got to see if they play for Mike Zimmer. Don't you think? I'm, I mean, I think you have to, and I Zimmer hates giving up any sort of game, even when they're already locked into the playoffs or locked into their seeds. So even if his job wasn't on the line, I would have saw them playing super hard for this game. But yeah, I, this, this is just, this is the last taste in Vikings fans mouse in the owner's mouth for how they view the off season. If they win this game, it mitigates some of these things, whether it should mitigate some of these things is a different question but it will because it's the way it ended. Okay. They went out on a win. They finished seven and nine. And then people are going to start taking the holistic view and they're going to say seven and nine. They won the last game. They did this and that. And okay, maybe they're ready to do something next year. But if they 
lose this game and it goes badly, that's two bad game or three bad games in a row. And it's, it's not encouraging. So yes, I think Zimmer needs it for momentum to be able to show that he can, he is still the right person to take this team on the right trajectory. Cause I don't think anyone thinks this team is devoid of all talent to right. be bad right away. Like there, there is a version of this where they're good next year and they're good going into the future. They have the building blocks for that. Yes. Yep. And so I agree. Totally agree. Zimmer, Zimmer needs this game to show that he is the right person moving forward. It, he's, he's obviously a really good schematic person. No one is ever going to doubt what he can do for a defense, but I doubts are starting to creep up about his game management. They've been there, but they're really starting to creep up and it's about just his overall decision-making on the field and off the field. And he needs to show that he, he is the right person moving forward on both those aspects. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There's a path to this team winning the division in 2021. Are you going to get there? Are these people going to get you there? I, that's, that is the question. And I, I don't know because I've covered so many Zimmer games and I've covered so many wins and he's got a good record. And, uh, you know, 2017, of course, is a tremendous, tremendous coaching job. Number one defense in the NFL, backup quarterback, going to the NFC championship overall. The NFC championship didn't go well. But, you know, I've seen him coach him up and I've seen him scheme and I've seen him scheme wins like he did last year against New Orleans. And so when you see that, it's hard for me to say, okay, well, he'll just never win again with this group because he's done it before. And he took a group that wasn't that good and was seven and nine in 2014 and turned it around. Um, but now 
2014 just seems a long time from now. I mean, you know, you look at the scoring percentages. Uh, it's a stat that I bring up from time to time. But if you scored on like 35% of your drives in 2014 or 2015, you were pretty good. Now you're toward the bottom of the league. I mean, it's just, it's changed even in, in five years here, how the game is being played. And you wonder if it's not going to work out the same way. I'm never going to say for sure that it won't because this team has been a winner basically since he's been here, or at least in the hunt, going to the final weeks competitive. Um, but there have also been a lot of things along the way where you go, boy, there's a lot of people who have gotten tired of that message and who have grown weary of kind of hearing the same things with Zimmer. And so it's, you know, it's going to be a real push and pull and it'll be a fascinating conversation. This was not a conversation before this game and now it is. And I think that that is entirely deserved. So before we wrap up, Paul, I want to point out, well, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to point out that some people did play really well in this football game for the Vikings on the offensive side. And it's just sort of like funny to say, but uh, Irv Smith Jr. I think played a great game, two touchdown catches, of course, made a couple other really, really great plays. And I'm, I'm ready to call it. I think, um, you know, like Steve Karnacki on television, the guy that does the, that did the presidential election and he was doing the playoff races and stuff. I'm ready to call it. Irv's good. I think he's good. Early in the season, we're like, what's going on with Irv? But now that he's been the starter, he's proven it. He scores touchdowns. He makes plays. He could go down the field like he did last week. And Conklin can play. Like He's, I think, capable of being a number two tight end in the NFL. And so I, I think this is it. I think I'm ready to call it because he played well. And another really ironic thing, if you're designing an NFL offense for 2020, your ideal rushing statistics in a close game, which, you know, this was not really a close game, but your ideal stats would be 17 carries for 90 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. Like that's ideal. The way that they use Delvin today, ideal for the most part, you know, the second down and one runs, usually you get those first downs. Sometimes you don't, but other than that, ideal rushing statistics I, ironically in a game where they were just playing from behind the entire way. Like that's how it should always kind of be actually efficient, throwing the football anyway. So I just thought that, that was funny. And I wanted to say that I am thankful very much on this Christmas day for all of your work. And again, uh, we've been using your last name because you have a job now and I'm proud of you for that, but just all of your work on these post-game podcasts, I know that next week is our official last one, but since it's Christmas, I wanted to say Merry Christmas to you, Paul. Great, great work. And uh, I've really appreciated. Sometimes you end up sitting there and nodding your head as I rant like a crazy person for like 14 minutes in a row. I'm sorry for that, but you've done a great, great job on these post-game podcasts and I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and trusting me to be on these post-game pressers. I would assume, I don't know how many people listen to these. Maybe it's better that you don't tell me how many people listen to these post-game pressers, but thank you for letting me on. Thank you for all the people that are here listening to me talk about it at whatever we're at the hour mark that they're still here listening to us. So thank you. I, I am also thankful to be doing this every week. I love it. Well, uh, we will continue into the off season. We'll get you on hot routes and we'll make sure that uh, it still carries on, but we've got one more and we will see next week against the Lions. If you and I are talking about, oh my God, can you believe they just did it again against the Lions? Or if we're saying, 
at least they ended on a nice note and so-and-so played well and so forth. And now what is to come in the off season? We shall see. We never really do know. So thank you, Paul. And a Merry Christmas to all of you who have listened. This very podcast uh, just this week cleared over 500,000 downloads since starting in May. Um, It's about 100,000 downloads a month, which has been incredible that you've given all uh, me all this support and uh, actually the purple insider.substack.com just cleared over 800 paying subscribers who get the daily coverage and again just can't thank you enough so everybody have a merry christmas just calm down uh watch a couple of bowl games try to get over it do what you can uh and i'm sorry for everything with this team and we'll catch you next time <laughs>